I think I think there's a degree of, of let's just kind of let go some of the things that we've held on to so tightly. Maybe yeah. um, one of the things that I found is that um, there's there's kind of an I would almost say like an, an antagonistic view of the online ministry space. Um, I think a lot of times people view it as a threat to the in-person gathering. Um, I've really appreciated the online ministry space as a whole, just because I see a lot of godly leaders there. Um, and I, I think there's not a dismissiveness when it comes to the gathering of the church. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Social Media Church Podcast. My name is Aaron, and I am not joined by my co-host today, Nils Smith, but I am joined today by my new friend, Matt Curtis, who is has been an online pastor, uh, has been in the ministry space for a long time. His dad is a professor at uh, Biola University, uh, is or was, uh, and is Matt? He was. He just retired he was. a year okay, ago. Just, so, yeah. just retired. Long career though. 40 years. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so Matt has been in this space for a long time and has fallen in love with the digital space and is now the chief development and digital online ministry officer, something along those lines, uh, at Kingdom One. And we just talked to his buddy and uh, colleague, Nick Ovalle, on a previous episode. And uh, Nick recommended that we also... Talk to Matt. So Matt, we are so happy to have you here today. Thanks so much. I will try to not let Nick's recommendation down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think that you will, because today uh, I want you to introduce yourself, Matt, but I want our listeners to know what we're going to be talking about. We are going to be, and probably you've already seen the title. Today, we're going to be talking about the theology of online church, of online ministry, uh, of just everything that this podcast talks about. We're going to kind of look at the theology of it and why Matt and I are passionate believers uh, that some of Paul's ministry and some of the ministry that we see in the Bible actually points to the justification that all churches have some role in this online space. But Matt, before we dive into that, do you just want to kind of let our audience know a little bit about yourself, uh, what you've done, how you uh, got to Kingdom One and maybe what you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up, you know, you'd mentioned my dad. Um, that's a, a pretty important part of my uh, upbringing just because he was a pastor or a, he was a, a professor at Biola for about 40 years, taught Old Testament. Really, the wisdom literature was kind of his focus. And so I grew up in this really interesting blend of uh, the importance of good theology, but also the pragmatism and the practical application of, of the wisdom of God's word applied through Proverbs, you know? And so, um, so for me, everything that I kind of look at in life is really filtered through that lens. So that was, you know, upbringing high school. Then I go to college, went to Biola was an art major. Uh, and there was this interesting uh, separation that I began noticing between the creativity of art and sort of the promise of fine art can change the world. And then the theology department <laughs> who was right. hold up. We are the ones who we understand the truth and the depth of God's word. And that's really what changes people. And so there was this tension, you know, and so I really felt, I felt like there could be these bridges that were built between the spaces. Now, little did I know that that was God laying the foundation for what I would step into in ministry because I didn't want to go into ministry at all. Like that was not my interest. And so 
graduating college. My wife and I are attending a church that we love. It's a small Presbyterian church and no jobs were working out. So I ended up getting a job at Mariner's church. That was kind of the last thing on my list. My mother-in-law kept saying, you should work there. You should work there. I'm like, not interested in working at a church at all, even yeah. a little bit. Um, and I realized really in my, I don't know, it took two weeks maybe before I was frustrated by the way things were, were going. And uh, I took a lot of kind of internal work, a lot of prayer and just talking to other people who knew a whole lot more than I did. Um, and I, I began realizing that God has wired me and, and really kind of passioned me for the church functioning well. And then also the church not missing opportunities. Um, and so it really comes back to a little bit of that, that gap between the fine arts and the theology. It's like, well, how do we, how do we bridge these two things that seem opposite? Um, and then after about three and a half years, I moved up to the high desert and worked at high desert church was there for about 13 years, started as a graphic designer, and then eventually ended up uh, launching our online ministry there. Uh, and then overseeing our communications and productions team. So kind of the creative ministry. Mm-hmm. And then in January of 2021, stepped into a new role with Kingdom One. Um, it's really kind of the on, online ministry sort of headspace, but now applied to whatever churches are interested. And so yeah. um, we're developing tools and resources. We're, you know, working with clients, you know, whatever it looks like to be uh, partnering with different ministries where they find themselves on kind of that spectrum of, of existence when it comes to online ministry. Yes, that's awesome. And so now you take uh, everything that you learned as graphic designer, communications director, uh, online pastor in some ways, all of that production, and you're taking that as one of the assets that Kingdom One can now utilize you to help smaller churches or churches of any size that really need consultation or maybe don't have a ton of expertise in this area uh, to them. And so now you're helping a lot of churches, not just one church. Uh, which you've talked about as yeah. being a passion of yours, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the thing that I'm finding, you know, when you're in the trenches, it's, I mean, you're in the trenches, you know, yep. I think of it like a literal trench. You look to the left and you see a wall of dirt. <laughs> you look to the right, yep. you see a wall of dirt. But when you're able to get out of the trenches, you can see some of the things that are working in different areas, you know, of the battlefield to use that analogy further. But but I think um, what I'm beginning to see is I'm beginning to see kind of some common problems that churches are running into, or even some common questions. You know, I feel like yep. you think like, I, you know, I remember this, I'd be at a meeting with a team of people that help, you know, facilitate online ministry. And I'm thinking, man, how do we do whatever this is? And, and I'm not really grasping that every church in America, maybe, maybe not every, but you know, many churches across the country are asking the exact same question. Right. But, but now we're all spending our energy answering the same question (laughs) rather than sort of things surfacing to the top to say, okay, out of these 20 churches, what are the things that are working for you guys and what aren't? Totally. And then I think for those of us in the trenches, then it it becomes our job to make those ideas compatible. You know, we've seen epic successes at other churches Mm -hmm. fail miserably at our church. (laughs) Right. And you know what? That's okay because the culture is different, you know? So, so that's kind of the, the, the fun part of what I'm able to do now is I'm able to kind of really learn from a lot of churches in a way that I've always wanted to. Yep. But I mean, you know, this in the trenches, you don't always have the time to glean from 20 different churches, you know? So totally. Uh, but there's a ton of value in that, which is why we have a podcast just like this. That's for exactly right. Yeah. Leaders 
so that we can share our knowledge and our resources because we really are all in this together. I'm cur- today. I'm currently in a Twitter conversation with a couple of online pastors, and uh, one of them is a leader in the space. Former co-host of this podcast, actually Jay Cranda, and he tweeted something out about how he's had conversations over this past week with some larger churches, and they are all wrestling with what is the future of digital evangelism and, and digital church look like. Uh, and somebody responded, oh, Aaron and I were having this conversation the other day. And I replied, yeah, we're all in this together. And so if you're listening to this podcast, it doesn't really matter if you're just now starting to think about this. If uh, March of 2020 during the coronavirus was when you started thinking about this, or if you're picking it up today and you stumbled across this podcast, we're all really close and nobody has this figured out. And because of the nature of digital in online ministry, evangelism, and church, it's ever-changing uh, because the digital landscape is ever-changing. And so there's new ways, new opportunities, all of those things. But Matt, what I'm excited to talk about today is bringing it back to the core of why would we even enter into this space in the first place, and not just for worldly reasons, but for our theology, why would it be okay for us to even enter into this space and maybe even why are we called uh, to enter into this space? Uh, and if we're ignoring it, we may actually be going against the, our, our own theologies. Um, but before we dive into that, I wanted to quickly highlight something that you said that I thought was interesting. Massive success at one church, a strategy implemented, and then you take that strategy into another place and you reference your own context and said it was a massive failure. Uh, and I think that speaks to the theology that we're about to get into, different churches and different leaders and different lead pastors have different theologies. And so how online ministry plays out is going to look different based on the heart of your leader, and maybe even based on your own heart as you yourself are leading the ministry. And so we want to first say that's okay, and you better understand those theologies so that you can work online ministry as a tool to fit that theology. It's not that our theology has to fit into this overarching theology of online ministry. It's that online strategies and increased technology and efforts to spread the gospel uh, should be utilized as tools that work with the theology that we believe in in our different contexts. So listen to this conversation through that lens, not the lens of, hey, you need to do digital ministry like we're telling you to do it, uh, and that should your theology should fit into that. So Matt, do you kind of want to lay a foundation as we open up the door of this conversation? Maybe where do we start? Where do you start uh, as we try to utilize these digital tools? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think for me, the first place that you start is mystic um, view of the online ministry space. Um, I think a lot of times people view it as a threat to the in-person gathering. Um, I've really appreciated the online ministry space as a whole, just because I see a lot of godly leaders there. Um, and I, I think there's not a dismissiveness when it comes to the gathering of the church. And so there are people who will land on the side of it's okay to never attend a church in person. So, you know, you talk about these theological spectrums that, um, that we really are kind of try to, to navigate in a way. So, so where I come from my perspective, um, I'm not going to evaluate the theological conclusion of a pastor. My belief would be that a pastor is responsible for understanding God's word for rightly dividing it for presenting the word of God to the congregation that they lead. And part of that will be determining where they land on some of these church issues. And so 
really for me, let go of that conclusion before you start, because uh, meaning don't read that conclusion into everything that's being talked about when it comes to the online ministry space. My contention would be wherever you live on the theological spectrum, there is something of value in leveraging online ministry. Now, I feel like I have to deconstruct that a little bit. That yep. does not mean streaming your weekend service. Correct. That is not holistic and entirely encapsulating online ministry. In fact, I would even go so far as to say, depending on your theological convictions, you may actually not want to stream your weekend services. Yeah. And that sounds crazy yeah. because that's what everybody's been focusing on for the last almost year now. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the digital, um, the digital space, this, this, you know, the online space, whatever you want to call it, you know, let's, it, it is, it is nothing more than an expression or a, or a, a field in which you can express uh, your theological beliefs, your approach to ministry. Yep. So if you're heavy evangelism, then you would probably want to leverage and think through that lens. How do I leverage Facebook for evangelism? I mean, it's as simple of a question as that. Yep. If you are about the deepening of the Christ follower, if you're about you know, we'll call it discipleship. Really, I think there's a nuance here where we split off and we get into like education, you know, Christian education versus discipleship. But let's say Christian education. Okay, teach classes online. I mean, I've taught a class that's on Skillshare. Like I love teaching, but I don't, I didn't have a group of people <laughs> to come into my garage yeah. when I'm filming this class, you know? And so it's, we, we tend to shortchange ourselves a little bit by judging, you know, so at the very beginning of the conversation, let's talk about online ministry and its role in your ministry. Well, I, don't, I think it's important that people gather. Okay. Like, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with you. So, so let's figure out how online ministry belongs in that pathway toward gathering for this, you know, for your church, since that's what you believe. Absolutely. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is um, just coming into the conversation with a little bit less sort of stigma attached to the concept of online ministry, understanding that it can be completely different than you've imagined it. And it doesn't have to be a threat to your gathering, you know, yes, so. Definitely. And in fact, it can help strengthen your gathering, which is yes. the passage that you've talked about uh, in the Bible referencing yeah. kind of one of the components to Paul's ministry. Do you kind of want to dive yeah. into that a little bit and how all, our online ministry strategy should actually strengthen our physical gatherings? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like um, looking at kind of the model of ministry that exists in scripture. And so you look at, you know, you look at acts and you look at how the church was born and you look at the different models and the different expressions of what the early church looked like. I think it's important for us. I think it's important for us to look at specific passages that are uh, descriptive and sometimes prescriptive in terms of yes. this is what the church should be. But I also think there's value in looking much broader to say, okay, contextually, what is happening culturally and, and how is the church functioning in that context? And I think that informs us. I actually, personally, I love this, this opportunity that we have to revisit home churches in a really interesting way. It's kind of forced totally. on us, you know, in the midst of this. But I think the thing that I really like to look at is, so what does the minister do in the context of remote ministry? Is it good or is it bad or is it you know, limiting or even potentially neutral for a minister to be doing remote ministry or online ministry. Right. And I always, I go to Paul immediately because the letters that we're reading, 
they're letters. <laughs> These aren't, yes. okay, I'm with you right now. Will somebody please write this down for me? Like, that's not what's happening. Yes. This is, I am currently away from you. In some cases, I would love to be with you, but for some reason or another, I am not able to be with you physically present. However, there is something that needs to get addressed. Yep. And so I'm going to address it from a remote position and I will then send this, you know, teaching, correction, edification, whatever it is, I'm going to be sending it to you so that your gathering can now consume this information, hopefully be convicted, be corrected, be encouraged, be moved in the direction that you are supposed to be moving yep. as a gathering of Christ followers. And so there's a couple things that I've kind of gleaned from that as I've really tried to understand because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm in a really awkward position because theologically I have to be personally comfortable with what I'm recommending. And so yeah. I don't, I'm not sitting in a pastor's seat currently. Like that's not my title, you know, a kingdom one, my title's not pastor Matt, you know? Yeah. Um, but I still feel like if I'm going to be recommending a behavior or a practice or a, or a ministry strategy to an organization, to a church, I have to believe and be confident in, in, the, in what I'm recommending. Otherwise, I'm recommending the church to do something that's, that's against what scripture would teach. So, so okay. that's, that's where I'm coming from, even in some of this research. And so the things that I found, though, is that Paul's encouraging people remotely. Paul is offering instruction, or in some cases, he says further instruction. He is giving advice. There are questions that are being asked and he's answering it. Um, he's mediating disputes in some cases, like, hold up, we're, we're stepping into like church discipline or like disputes, like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's happening through a letter. And by the way, that's not even two-way communication. That's like, Hey, I'm going to drop my bomb of, <laughs> of opinion on you. Good luck, everyone. You know? Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's settling social tensions. And then um, there's this caveat with some of it. I wanted to come, but I couldn't, but he's still yep. stepping in to all of these situations. And so I think for me, that's really profound because what it's doing is it's unlocking the ability to do ministry effectively in a remote context. Yes. Um, and, and not just like, Hey guys, watch the gathering. Cool. Like not totally. that. If, if anything, it's actually not that and all of the other things. And so exactly. to me immediately, I think, man, okay, what does discipleship look like online? I mean, we're having a conversation one-on-one -on -one right now. Well, that's interesting. If, if we were local and Starbucks was open, yep. we could, we could go grab a cup of coffee and we could speak one-on-one. -on -one. So the only difference now is the physical presence. And yet yep. somehow we're still able to challenge each other, encourage each other, do the things that Paul is doing here remotely as well. So, so I think for me, let's, let's sort of break down the barrier a little bit of, well, but my theology says gathering's important. Awesome. Yes. I mean, yep. Paul, Paul would argue that too. So, yes. okay. Well, but he's still doing remote ministry. So, so I think that's the part for me where, man, there's some, there's some really exciting potential with these tools that are available to us. So let's not turn them off just because we think that it'll impede gathering when actually it can be really this really beautiful layer of additional effectiveness, additional growth, ad additional edification and challenge yeah. to support the gathering in a really powerful way. Matt, I've wondered this question for a long time and I don't necessarily know where I, I, I land 
with it fully fleshed out. I land somewhere closer to the poll that I'm about to describe than a poll of uh, you must be together, shoulder to shoulder, physically, almost touching, uh, worshiping yeah. together. That, that has to happen. Could a church and could a person, a congregant within that church, fully exist digitally? Is, is there something about being physically close? Well, I, I think let's first answer what is gathering per se yeah. and experiencing something because when you're watching a sports game or even church in a lot of cases yeah. you know that you're coming together and you are uh, with lots of other people who are all doing this one thing in this moment together you can see that in a comment section you can also just experience that uh maybe through second screen maybe through twitter or just the understanding that i am not the only one engaging in this right now um and certainly that would pertain more to sports maybe than where the church's mindset is at. So the, what does gathering look like digitally? And then, all, and then if that gathering is happening, is there something specifically unique that is wired into us where physical proximity matters? Yeah. Oof, man, we're going for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, I, I think, I think the biggest kind of, um, component here for me would be um, maybe, maybe I'll start with kind of my process. So typically yes. what I do in these types of situations is um, I have a, I have a pretty good pulse of kind of where I land in terms of the, the, I don't know if you would say like the progressive to conservative spectrum. Um, I tend to be pretty conservative theologically in yep. a lot of different issues and a lot of different areas. And so uh, one of the big laments for me is I don't feel like there's a lot of, um, I don't feel like there's a lot of energy being spent even theologically. I mean, that's a piece of why I'm, I'm glad to be in this conversation because yeah. I think we're just dis- the, the conservative mindset tends to be, let's just d- dismiss it all. And then yeah. like, we're good. Like we've already thought through these other issues. And so we're good now. Um, but I think there are some profound lessons to be learned. What I typically do when I'm asking a question like this is I'll read the polls, you know, I'll read what is a, what is like an online only virtual space church think theologically about it or do they address it? Do they just allow it to happen or is it an overt okay from them? And then on the other side, what is the like hyper conservative, you know, type of view say. And so one of the things that really resonated with me, and of course this was kind of born out of the more conservative side, but there's something powerful about the, the body of Christ being visualized Mm -hmm. in a gathering. And so there's something about the physical gathering that is that is now made non-abstract. It's it's taking a neutral space, a non-sacred space, and making it sacred through the gathering of the body of Christ. Yeah. And so there's something about that. And you know, I don't I don't pretend to have even a deep enough kind of understanding to say what's going on there. You know, is this like a metaphysical thing or, I mean, is it a spiritual thing that's happening? Is it, you know, the, the, the spirit being in multiple people in then being in the same space, you know, I, you know, I don't even know how that stuff kind of works to contribute, but I do think there's something about that gathering that is also a witness to the world around us. And so I would say for me personally, I would land on the space of, I think in person is an an important part of um, the Christ followers um, 
almost progress as a Christian, maybe. Yes. Um, I think we, we gain something from that community in a way that we wouldn't otherwise would be my contention. Yes. Now, this is, where, <laughs> this is where it sounds like I flip a switch real quick and change perspectives. Uh-huh. I think my tension is that because you attend online does not mean that you're finished. And I think that's where the, yeah. that's where the most, the, the biggest point of angst that I found is that we are concerned that people will attend and join us online only. And I'm like, okay, well, what's to say that they won't eventually come in person? Like, why is it that that stopping ground in the middle is such a hard pass for us? And so some of that is born out of experience. Some of it's just theoretical. Like I just, I know that, you know, when I go to, let's say I go to Best Buy and I'm looking at a camera, when I go to Best Buy and I look at a camera, I see a camera and I say, that's a camera. I don't know if I'm interested or not. I'll write down the model number and then I'll go home. Well, now I'm going to engage in online research. <laughs> well, yes. this, this does not mean that I will or will not buy. No decision has been made yet. I'm engaged in an online interaction with information and study and all these things. And eventually I may come back and yep. buy that camera. Well, right. this season of my life online was an in-between, you know, and I think yes. that's how it is for most people. And so I've seen that. Uh, I've, I mean, I've seen that in the context of, of day-to-day ministry. We have people who are a part of our church family who have said, I, I'm undergoing treatment and yeah. I can't get out of the house. And so they've attended with us for a, year, a calendar year, <laughs> 365 days, 52 Sundays. Yeah. And then something happens where God has worked and they've been healed um, and they join us back at church again in person. Yeah. And so for me, I look at that and I think, man, I could have been critical of this person's um, life situation for 52 weeks, but instead we've chosen to invest in them and say, we want you to come back. We are constantly praying for you. We're going to provide you the opportunity to hear the word of God preached. We're going to provide you the opportunity to worship alongside sort of, you know, kind of like uh, a kind of onside the the rest of the people in the room. And so we're, we're not just jettisoning them out to the world. We're saying, no, no, you're still a part of our family, even though you're not physically able. You know, I think of like the shut-in ministry, kind of yeah. old, old-timey, <laughs> you know, kind of approach, but it's yeah. the same thing. We can do that. And so, um, so for me, I think it, the, the goal for me would still be in person, but I think maybe I'm just a little bit more patient or a little bit more tolerant sure. with this season of engagement. That's not in person yet. Yes. Um, and again, so if, if I were to start a church, then all of my decisions around online ministry would be pointing that way. They would be yes. pointing toward how do I elevate the value of our in-person gathering? Now yes. for those that choose to be uh, digital only, I still think, and, and I, I mean, to be honest with you, the jury's still out for me. I think I wrestle yeah. a little bit with kind of seeing the fruit of it and, and um, even, even kind of a, a deeper understanding of what God's word has to say, but um, you can still disciple people. You can still have one-on-one conversations. Totally. You can still pray in a meaningful way. You can still challenge them. Paul's letters tell us or show us, you know, that I can say, Hey, this is behavior. That's not in line with what God has called you to as a Christ follower. Yeah. I can say, Hey, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? Like, can I care for you? So, so there's still so many different elements about 
what it means to be shepherding someone and leading someone through the process of discipleship. And so, you know, the, the things where I think people get stuck is, you know, things like baptism and things like communion and, and those things being in person. And so, yeah, so I don't, I probably, I hopefully successfully dodged maybe one of those questions, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it really yeah. comes down to what you believe God's word has to That's say right. about it. You know, I, I will say one caveat over all of it is that, um, you know, Proverbs talks about isolation, not being a good idea. I think it's Proverbs 18, one, mm-hmm. um, he who isolates himself quarrels against sound wisdom. There's, there's something about the, the the process of being isolated or the condition of being isolated yes. that's really dangerous i think we've all felt that probably in a way that we haven't before and so the the real important piece of all of this is that there has to be human connection and human interaction yes. and so um that i think would be the thing for me that would that would lean in person but I'll, i mean this is where it gets so complex i've been isolated in church before you know, one of the draws yeah. of the mega church that I've heard for many years is that, oh, I love it. I can sneak in the back. Nobody says hi to me and I can yeah. sneak out. And I'm like, well, how is that any different? So yeah, it, it's such a complex thing because there's so many different layers to it. Typically people will have a theological bent toward it. Yeah. Um, but I would just caution people to say, make sure that all of the elements of, yeah. of the, the, the biblical shepherding of a congregation are evident regardless if you are in law, if you are online or if you're in person, that's because right. just because you're in person doesn't mean that that's happening naturally. Those are intentional I, I decisions. Do like the argument though, uh, that, that you made of there's something powerful about the visual representation yeah. to the unchurched or to the non-Christ follower. Absolutely. Uh, that, that is very difficult to replicate online. However, I still, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I still think you could make a theology for how that's happening because if something's trending on Twitter, uh, if there's a really yeah. large Facebook group and you see all of these different people that some are Democrats, some are Republicans, uh, um, and or whatever your context is yeah. listening to this, uh, people who land on opposite sides of the spectrum coming together, worshiping the same God. It's even making me think about maybe how you capture a service that you're projecting online because that gathering piece um, is a powerful component to speaking to those who don't follow Jesus uh, about what this whole thing is all about. And so I'm, I'm challenged by what you're saying, not that somebody necessarily has to be there online, but if we're doing this, if we're okay with this exclusively happening online, how are we projecting? This is a lot of people from different walks of life coming together uh, to worship one God. Um, and so I really am inspired by that. And I like that, Matt, do you, if somebody, um, I also think this is an aside for a whole nother podcast and and there'd be more voices we need to invite in, but I think VR challenges this in a really strange way where you can have people on the four different corners of the United States, um, and their avatars are completely together and visually that would be representing you. You could even be in a room of a thousand avatars uh, people worshiping and feel some type of way. Um, and I, and I actually think that's makes a really strong case for a DJ Soto. If you're not familiar with him, you need to go check out DJ Soto and, and what he's doing in virtual reality, but creates a really strong case. Cause there are so many people, uh, in virtual reality that have no idea what church is, who would never even think to seek out a church, or they maybe dismissed it completely, uh, that stumble across what DJ and his ministry is doing and ultimately asking the question, uh, what 
is this and why are so many people here? Um, and I know, oh yeah, you and I, Matt, actually had a conversation uh, prior to this about another church, Cornerstone, I think you said here in California, Northern California, that is doing VR ministry and, and has seen very similar conversations happen. So I really like the idea of less focus. I'm going to start asking a different question after what you just shared, Matt, uh, <laughs> less focused on physical proximity and more focused on how are people able to identify where two or three are gathered yeah. uh, for a large body of people coming together uh, to worship one God. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to start drilling down there yeah. as I go forward from here. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, one of the things that really kind of jumps to my mind, you know, a lot of churches are doing watch parties, which I think is a great yep. kind of a logical next step, but, but just kind of play this, you know, play this out in your mind uh, with me for a little bit. So I don't, I don't really understand what the limitation is. Let's say you have people watching in Texas right now, you know, you have a yep. church and there's this, this little group of people that are watching in Texas. Why can't they gather in person? Totally. In fact, why can't they have a watch party? And then I would almost argue further, if you're part of the multi-site methodology, why are they not a mini campus or Absolutely. why are they not a full-fledged campus? And so I think that, you know, this is where I feel like everyone kind of got off the train before the train stopped moving. And so we streamed our services and we're like, yay, we did it. And they were like, cool. Everybody's everywhere. Well, have we asked the question though? how hard is it actually to have all of these people meeting in person? I mean, I would argue it's not that hard if you have a discipleship model that says, Hey, are you a volunteer? Do you care about leading people? Are you equipped? Are you um, qualified for leadership? Can we invest in you and essentially develop you into a, a mini campus pastor? Right. We'll, we'll have a call with you once a week and we'll say, how can we be praying for you in the ministry that's happening? What are the things that are going on? I mean, it's essentially the way we treat small group leaders. Totally. And so you have a small group, you have 10 or 15 people that show up to your house every week. How is that different yep. than what's happening on a weekend with the service and, stream? And by the way, I'm, I'm hearing this more and more. I think more yeah. and more pastors are asking that exact question yep. and being like, man, oh man, I don't have to buy property uh, staff a new, but like we can yes. actually leverage right. these leaders who are already gathering in homes. Cause a lot of this is yes. the reality is for, for, for maybe larger church context. Sure. And, and I, I don't want to limit that. It could be smaller, maybe in quarantine, sure. uh, your small church turned into five house churches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're broadcasting something out of your living room to your yeah. congregation. Uh, and instead of, uh, stopping that or wishing you could all come back into one spot or how do we buy property in those five locations right. so that we have a church building um, starting to look at resourcing people and those gatherings yes. differently with the same principles, the same methodologies that we yeah. see about leadership in the Bible, yep. but leveraging them to do it right where they are right. in their living room. Yeah. I, th I think there's such an important concept that honestly, as, a, as, as being on staff, at a church, you know, I've been on a, cha a church staff for a little over 16 years in, in total, this idea, you, lo you lose it. It's easy to lose it unless it's constantly being reminded to you. Y your job is to equip the saints. Yes. And so, I mean, you kind of have to ask the question, you know, how did you get your start in ministry? I'm sure God's hand was involved in some way. You know, for me, it was uh, job interview. No job interview. No job interview. No fine. I'll work at a church. You know, that's what it looked like for me, but for some, it may be, yeah, my country shut down and we couldn't gather in person anymore. And so I decided to watch church at home and then the restrictions changed. So 10,000 people couldn't be in the same room, but 
25 could. Correct. Okay. So I decided to invite people over and then my church began pouring into me. And then I realized, I think that God has placed a call in my life to plant a church. Oh, okay. I mean, isn't that how, like, I feel like my experience shouldn't be the way that people get into the church, meaning I should be embedded in a church community. Someone in the church body, I mean, in particularly leadership should say, we believe that this person has the potential to be, and not from just a skill set point of view, but like character wise integrity, um, you know, look at all the things that scripture talks about to be an elder or a deacon. Like those are the, those are the qualifications of ministry. This person seems to express those things, man, let's pour into them and activate them to recognize the call that God has placed on their life to be in ministry. And so I, like I'm, I'm beside myself right now because I'm looking around and I'm thinking we have the most fertile ground for totally. ministry that I would argue we have ever had because we have been forced to let go of the control of our box. We can't limit everything that comes in. We can no longer say, come here, my message on my timeline in my location. Like that's not, we don't have the ability to do that anymore. So instead we say, equip the saints. Oh, Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. And so now all of a sudden we can be developing leaders. Um, That's one thing that, you know, certain churches that are really big on church planting, I found that that's a characteristic of theirs. They will do ministry. And once the church grows to a certain size, they'll have already identified, trained and equipped people within their own church body to go away (laughs) and to then plant a new church. And it's like, oh, we're watching this model be forced on us. And so that's where, you know, so all the way back to the beginning, that's where for me, it's like, Oh, please, please, please don't say it's competing with in person. And then just stop thinking about it. Because when you actually let this conversation play out in your mind, you, you can uncover this really beautiful model for the way that the church can grow the way that Christ followers can be raised up, the way that you can still be in communication with them. You can write them a letter if you want, you know, dear church in Riverside or whatever, like, yeah, great, you know, but, but we have a really, really beautiful model of multiplying the church, raising up leaders, and then still, you know, to me, still showing visually the body of Christ gathering. Yeah. So That's now right. your neighbor has 20 cars out front. Like, what the heck is going on over there? Oh, we are the, I wouldn't answer this way, but yeah. we are the body of Christ being visualized in front of you in our neighborhood as we gather together, Yes, you come, you know, <laughs> and then oh, at some man. point they're going to need a building and that's a fine problem to have, totally. but, but we're, we're now visualizing it, not just at the box down the street, you know what I mean? Totally. Cause honestly, most churches nowadays don't even look like churches. So like, is that totally. a Costco? What is that a school district building? What is that? You know, exactly. And that's fine. But man, in neighborhoods, are you kidding me? So yeah. I just, I think there's such a beautiful potential that we have in front of us right now. I don't want to lose it just because we're uncomfortable with online things, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. And there's an online tool that can fit into your ministry, whatever your theology is and wherever you're headed. Yep. Uh, Matt, if you had one last thing to say to uh, online pastors, uh, lead pastors, people who are willing to at least hear our conversation to engage in this, uh, what, what would be one thing that you leave them as we kind of wrap this up? Yeah. I, 
if you're in this space and if you're engaging the online ministry with, um, with excitement, almost with confidence, I mean, I know we're all like, what are we kind of doing, but let's try it anyway. You know, um, I think our tendency, I know my tendency, my tendency is to say, where are we going to be five years from now? And how do we make that happen this weekend? Um, I would say, cool your jets, man. Like start with translating the ministry that you have today to become digital. So if you have a small group network right now, awesome. What is the purpose of it? Not how do you make it digital? Not yet. What is the purpose? What are you hoping to facilitate in your small, small group gatherings? Probably something like meaningful relationships, community, studying and deepening God's word. Okay, great. Once you get that kernel of purpose for why you're doing what you're doing, now translate that to digital. And so maybe your small groups should actually be Twitch streams. Or yeah. maybe they should be groups, you know, a private server on Minecraft. I don't know. I mean, I know not everybody's going to play those things, but, but once you begin that process of translating, you're actually going to begin to see where that next step of kind of innovation lives. You know, I like to go big and I'm like, like, I mean, like we're talking about, you know, I'm yeah. like, no, these are church plants. They're not microsites. What are you talking exactly. about? You know, yeah. but, but don't start there. Um, just start by translating what you're currently doing into the digital space and then yeah. just watch and see how God's using it and, and keep going. I mean, that's the other part of it. You know, don't, don't be afraid to fail. I'm a big, I was going to say, I'm a big failure. I'm a big fan of failure. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. you gotta, you gotta try things and you gotta iterate and you gotta just keep, keep seeing what works and what doesn't. Cause again, you know, like we'd mentioned what works at my place doesn't work at your place and that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, just keep going. That's right. We're all in this together and everybody has a role and the digital landscape, everybody is very large in case you didn't know the internet is massive. And so it's not one church that's needed for the internet. It's all of us playing some sort of a role on the internet online uh, with the way that God has resourced our churches so that we can see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth uh, because the ends of the earth seem to be ever increasing, even though the earth is the same size Uh, But Matt, I am so glad that you uh, joined us today. So glad for sharing all the nuggets of wisdom and kind of giving us a really good pastoral theological base for uh, why we should do online ministry. I mean, it's a pleasure. These are the funnest conversations you can have. So thanks for having me. I completely agree. I'm so glad I have an excuse to have these conversations and then I can share them with my friends. Uh, And if you are one of a regular listener, or if it's your first time here, I'd encourage you Subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you are listening. And maybe the most important thing that you can do, because that certainly helps us spread the word, but uh, take this link. If you know somebody that needs to hear this conversation, uh, share it with them, text it to them. You can uh, do something like my good friend Peter does every single time one of these episodes comes out. He shares it on Twitter and just kind of blows it up. We love our listeners. And if you have questions or thoughts or you want to contribute to this conversation, uh, you can always at me or at Matt on Twitter uh, because we both love Twitter and all of the notes of in places you can connect with us are in the show notes of this episode. And until next time, everybody, my name is Aaron and this is the Social Media Church Podcast.